everyone. Feeling good about being here. Hey, Johnny boy. Hi, my love. Listen, we don't have time to waste. We have big news. Yeah, we got big, big, big merch news. We do have big merch news. We're going to get to the merch news at the end of the show, so be sure to stick around. We have actually some pretty big Patreon news as well. If you are a truly disturbed or a super fan of Patreon, stay tuned because we have major updates for you at the end of the show. But yes. Darren, it's the, it's almost time. It's the second annual. Is this an annual thing? I feel like we're going to do this We're going to have year. to make it an annual thing now because <laughs> yeah. we're saying it's an annual thing, John. So now exactly. you've put us now on the pedestal that we can't get knocked down from. That's right. It's our second annual Halloween party live stream. It's this Wednesday, October 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Easter time? Eastern time. Easter time. Easter bunnies. Um, please come dressed. Because come correct. Darren, why should they come correct and come dressed? Because the best costume, judged by me, John, and maybe whoever else we actually care about in the opinion, right. was going to win a major prize. And mm-hmm. in order to do this, you have to sign up to be a truly disturbed or super fan tier in our Patreon and come to our Halloween party. It is never too late to sign up. You can even sign up that day, essentially. Yeah. Just to scri- subscribe by Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let's say 6.30 p.m. Just so <laughs> there's no conflict with That's any true. of the timing of the links being sent. But Thank uh, you. We would really love to see you. We Obviously, Halloween is our month. So mm-hmm. we're big fans Do you know? Of it. Do you know what you're going to be? Do you have any thoughts yet? Um. Well, Nadine and I are going to a party on that Friday, and costumes okay. are required. Like, I have not right. dressed up in years, and we have a few ideas, but okay. I don't want to say them out loud if we don't do it. Okay, so. maybe make it a surprise. I know last year when I was a Scarlet Witch, you were, I remember, visibly shocked yes. by that. Yeah. Can I run one by you that I'm thinking of? Because I think yeah, I want to try it. run it by me. I'm, I'm a huge fan of this person. As of like this year. So it would be a fun costume. I love Trixie Mattel. I think the drag queen Trixie Mattel has really fun makeup and wigs. Do I want a reason to try drag makeup? And look like I'm in drag? Yes. Did you watch Secret Celebrity Drag Race? No, I'm not a drag race fan. Like I've never been into that show, but celebrity drag race, I think I would be into. And I know a couple people that were on it. Well, I will. Oh, okay. I will say like the first three, ep- it's only like a six, seven episode season, oh, okay. but like the first three episodes, you know, you, they're in drag and they, yeah. it's like Mass Singer where you hear their voice, but you don't really know, don't know like, you is. know who they are. And, you know, there were some people where it's like, oh, I know who that is. Like, it's hard to, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, a, I knew a body type or I knew a certain face mm-hmm. or something. But there, the guy that won it this year, mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. it was the ugliest drag queen ever. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> and I was like, I know he's a, at least not a gay guy because, you know, RuPaul mm. always used to joke to him that he couldn't sissy his walk. And, like, oh. gay men just know how to sissy their walk in a way. And that's, like, what well, they call it. Fair. Like, yeah. if they just know how to, like, carry their weight around well, a little bit more than, like, straight men. They can shake men. their hips, Yeah. Right. And, and, uh, you know who it was? And I was like, oh my God, I figured it out. It was AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. That's the one I've seen. And he was so good. He was really good. But like when they're in drag. I couldn't tell it was You really, you have to think about it. Like I had to see multiple, multiple episodes Mm -hmm. and then to kind of, you know, hear context clues or whatever. But I was like, I know Mm -hmm. this face. I know I know it. But uh-huh. it was just, it was wild. Tatiana Ali was also in it too. And she, you know, oh, Ashley really? from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. Tatiana and I was like, who is that? Ali and I have the same birthday. She was the first oh. celebrity I ever learned that has the same birthday as me. So I have this weird attachment to her. Anyway, great show. I'm going to check that out. Thank you oh. for that. 
Okay. Um, are you drinking anything before we get started? Um, no, I'm not because we are recording this a little bit earlier in the day and I just didn't want to be drinking and have, because I have some errands I need to run. So no drinks for me today. What about you? No drinks for me today either. I've had kind of okay, a dry long episode. weekend. So it's going to be a dry episode <laughs> only because I have to prep myself for BravoCon. So That's I'm right. trying to take it a little easy on my body. By the time this comes out on Sunday, will BravoCon be behind you? Yes. Well, yes. Sunday's my okay. last day. So oh, okay. Got as it. long as you don't fuck up the AM, PM for my mom. Right. Well, we'll then be good. some people or, will be listening to this at, at, after BravoCon, and some people yeah. are going to be listening to it in the middle of it. So, or keeping an entire like five or six minutes of us just like posting true crime news. Okay, that's yeah, also I, great. I can handle I that. Loved great. getting that. Um, but you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, well, the good I news wanna... is you're not in Orlando anymore, Bip. You're that's not right. In Orlando anymore. That's right. Well, I did go to Orlando over the weekend, which you can hear all about on our page, or rather on our NMR episode. I wanted to say I was just with my sister. We walked around all day at Universal Studios. You can hear all about it on NMR. How was your and old bad back doing during Our that backs time? were hurting, our feet were hurting, and my sister took these gummies and in the evening, um she felt so much better. Um, both that night and the next day. And that's the great thing about these gummies. They help relieve pain. They even relieve some anxiety, which I know my sister was dealing with a little bit that day too, um, which we all have to some degree. How does like, I hate when people are like, oh, I'm not really an anxious person. I'm like, how? How? Yeah. We all have some level of anxiety. Can you teach that to me? It's just right. like, how? <laughs> no. Let me know if you know how to get there. Um, but we all, Darren, love these microdose gummies. I know that much. I'm a big fan, and our show today is, of course, sponsored by microdose gummies. Microdose gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And I'm already thinking about holiday gifts, by the way, because, like— Oh, I know call. a lot of friends. Oh, I know call. a lot of friends that could use some of these uh, gummies to relieve their anxiety, if nothing else. So I'm gonna throw them in as like a you know stocking stuffer, if you will. They come in these really cute little like bottles. Very anyway, microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code Shaken to get free shipping and thirty percent off your first order. And to make it easy, links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com. Code shaken. On to the show, shall let's, we? Let's do it. This one's a little. This is we had a couple. Yeah. We had an older one last week, so That's this right. one's a little bit more in contemporary times. That's right. On March first, two thousand, in the small conservative town of Hunter Valley, Aberdeen, one of the most brutal and blood chilling crimes Australia has ever seen was uncovered in the home of John Charles Thomas Price. It's a lot of names. And Catherine Mary Knight. Now, those names sound pretty old school, but really, they're, you know, this is 2000. Like, Catherine if you didn't tell Mary me. Catherine Mary Knight. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't tell lot. me this was the year 2000, I would have thought this was like, you know, Dracula times or something. I don't know. I don't know why well, I said Dracula. I'm in a Halloween mood. By the way, Darren's wearing a bright orange shirt, and it's just getting me in a Halloween mood. I just wanted to say that. Yeah. Okay, good. Can I like yeah, that? Yeah, there you go. Well, when John did not arrive at work on March 1st, a coworker was sent to check on him. The coworker arrived at John's home to find all of the doors locked. No matter how long, or sorry, no matter how loud he knocked, there was just no answer at the door. He then began peering into the windows to get a glimpse inside, and when he looked into John's bedroom... He saw blood splattered across the floor and walls. I mean, can you imagine like checking in on someone just to see where they are and this is the scene inside? I mean, that would be, I mean, traumatizing probably. Yeah. And I don't know. 
if I would check on a coworker who just didn't arrive to work one day, I feel like I would I have know. to take like a long time. Like unless it's like so consistent. Like I remember Andy couldn't reach me once for like four hours when I was in this meeting and he literally called every one of my friends, coworkers. Like we all saved the voicemail being like, do you know where Darren is? I knew she was out with oh you last my. night. Like, is she okay? Oh and I literally had to text him being like, I'm in a junket. Like I, 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 I'm just in a junket and he's like, I called Noah. I called everyone. And I oh, like, I remember this. Yeah. And I was like, it's okay. Like, oh I'm, my God. It was cute actually. This is the Noah that we spent a night out going crazy with years yes, ago. Right? Years ago. Years Shout ago. out to Noah. Love him. Yes, absolutely. Well, we should talk about that night sometime on this show since we couldn't talk about it. On yes. Martinis. Well, we couldn't talk about it on martinis. So there you go. Nonetheless, so back to this horrifying crime scene, essentially, the co-worker immediately called authorities, as one should. After receiving this distressed phone call, the police entered John's home to find the hallway covered in blood. This is starting to feel like The Shining, which, by the way, is one of my favorite like, Me too. scary movies. This was only the beginning of the nightmare that awaited them inside, because upon entering, authorities discovered a human head in, the po- in a pot on the stove... That had apparently been cooked into a stew amongst various vegetables and broth. I so get ready because these I are. I love yeah. a stew. You love a stew. Maybe not this one though. Yeah. On the table, there were two meals carefully plated, including a baked potato, vegetables with gravy, and Darren, try not to get sick. She's making a face, you guys. And uh, there was a steak made of human flesh. Now, it's very Dahmer-esque. I was just going to say, we're we're in Dahmer season on Netflix, if nothing else. It's really Halloween, are. it's October, so it's in the same vein here. Well, next to each plate was a place card. So whoever was doing this was making a very uh, specific type of, of dinner, essentially. Um, but the place card naming John's two children as the intended recipients of the meal. Now, we don't know where he is just yet, but remember, this is where they found they found all this stuff. This is John's house, nonetheless. John didn't arrive to work, and these were intended for his two children. Exactly. Okay. Well, as the police further investigated the scene, they found the skinned pelt of the victim hanging from a meat hook. Oh, Lord. And the remainder of the body carefully posed with his legs crossed and arms draped over an empty soda bottle. There has to be some meaning here. Yeah, something's going on. This victim, found to have suffered roughly 37 stab wounds into his decapitated torso, was identified as John Price. Okay, so this seems like a very horrible slain killing. It doesn't seem like, I think at first when we're thinking about John's children, like, mm-hmm. was John this cannibal? Was he right. killing people and doing something weird? But he's dead now with 37 stab wounds, so that seems unlikely. Now, to anyone close to John, there was only one person who could have possibly committed this unspeakably brutal killing. So people and, already have an idea, essentially. They got their hunch. Mm-hmm. They got their hunch. On October 24th, 1955, Barbara and Ken Knight, remember, uh, Catherine's parents, mm-hmm. Mary Catherine's parents, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. uh, Barbara and Ken Knight brought t- the twin girls, Catherine and Joy, into their family. Mm-hmm. And the Knight household was an extremely tumultuous one. The twins were the seventh and eighth, eighth children and the only daughters. So not only the youngest but they're mm-hmm. also the only female. And mm-hmm. Ken was employed as a traveling slaughterman. During his periods at home, he drank heavily and was incredibly prone to violence. It was common in the Knight household for the children to witness their mother being physically abused mm. and raped on almost a daily basis. Oh my God. And, and I just want to pause here for a second because like, I think we know kind of where this is going. But 
you know, what I'm also happy that the Dahmer show show does um, is to show a little bit about his childhood and how he grew mm-hmm. up. You know, I was telling people, I was like, serial killers don't grow up and like work I at Bravo and just like have this. And then like all of a sudden they're like, oh my God, I got my heart dumped. I'm going to kill this person. Like they're, they are created, but some, a lot of them are kind of, it's partially born that way, but they are kind of created through their own, yeah. yeah, through their own like traumatic childhood. So you're so right about that. I mean, listen, we've done this for what, 500 episodes or something at this yeah. point. I mean, there's so many stories that we have in our head and it's, it's true. I mean, you have to think about where these people come from. I mean, it doesn't make it right by any means, but I think the human condition, we all want to know why people do this. This is why we well, are interested in true crime, isn't as it? A ch- as a child, even as an adult, watching my mother be physically abused and raped Ugh. on a daily basis, like I can't imagine what I would do to me at yeah, 34, exactly. let alone at 14. Right. Now, Catherine herself reported being sexually assaulted by members of her own family until she turned 11. And Catherine's mother, Barbara, found solace in venting to her young daughter about her troubles, including explicit details about the rapes and her growing hatred towards mm. men. Ooh, this is just so not good because this is going to seep into Catherine's head about this. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the mom doesn't have any – shouldn't. I'm not saying that Barbara shouldn't have had an outlet, but I don't think the outlet should have been her daughter. Well, right. <laughs> now, in spite of her deplorable home life, Catherine was known as a happy and friendly girl until she essentially got triggered and upset. Now, when triggered, she would have explosive and also violent outbursts, a common trait amongst children who have experienced or witnessed physical and sexual violence. Mm. This is common. We've actually kind of seen this in, in the Dahmer show. So, yeah. you know, something is a contemporary context here. But upon entering high school, Catherine began taking out taking out her aggravation on younger students, often bullying, harassing them, sometimes with the use of weapons and detailed, detailed death threats. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really a tragic reality, unfortunately. Well, at the age of 15, Catherine was forced to leave school, after which she found work at a local clothing factory. In 1973, Catherine would meet her first hu- husband, excuse me, David Kellett, a man known to be an extremely heavy drinker. In 1974, at the age of 18, Catherine began working at a slaughterhouse. She would later describe this as a, quote, dream job. Listen, some of us work at Bravo. Some of us work in true crime podcasting. Some people, you know, want to work at a slaughterhouse. That's just the way it goes. In particular, Catherine enjoyed. It's not a bad gig, you know, that everyone, you know, they need to have that. At a certain time. And yeah, I would say in the 70s, that might be something people, you know. Uh, aspire to sure well in particular Catherine enjoyed watching the pigs having their throats cut apparently shortly after finding this new career and after only a year of dating Catherine um excuse me after only a year of dating Catherine and David eloped on her wedding day Catherine's own mother gave her son-in-law her new son-in-law some disturbing advice saying quote Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you, end quote. Jesus. Wait, is this a good time to use our... Oh. I think we should. Um, and Let me redo that. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. How'd you like that? Yeah, that was good. Yeah. yeah was oh. Good. Listen, I keep... Sometimes I forget we got this board here. I got to put it to use every once in a while. Well, anyway, only hours after they were read, Catherine made her first attempt on David's life as she tried to strangle him in his sleep. Hours later, what what must have gone wrong in then just a few Jesus. hours? 
Well, Catherine later informed David she attacked him after becoming enraged when he passed out after having sex, quote, only three times. Okay, this girl's, uh, she's got a lot going on. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Des- despite their violent beginning, the couple would remain married for nearly a decade. Men have a high tolerance I mean, for pain. <laughs> let me tell you, Jesus. I would be out of there crazy. so quick. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah. Well, in May of 1976, David reached his breaking point and fled the house to be with a woman he had been seeing behind his wife's back, leaving Catherine alone with their newborn baby, Melissa. Uh-oh. The day after David left, Catherine was seen violently pushing her infant daughter's stroller back and forth in the middle of the street. Less than two months after her marriage ended, Catherine went into town where she threatened several strangers with an axe. Don't you think that would be cause of concern here like i would say there's clear signs of mental illness if nothing less uh, if nothing else but let's remember this is the 70s like i think nowadays you and i would see this and be very disturbed and 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 shaken for lack of a better word um and maybe even you know i would say if i were to see something like this in the middle of a street or someone running around with an axe surely i would call the police right i would would, yeah or you know at least cause for concern Somebody. in terms of mental illness. Well, later that same right. day, a passerby found baby Melissa on a railroad track and managed oh to God. rescue her moments before the train came through. Oh Nobody was ever able to prove for certain Catherine was the one who placed the baby on the tracks. However, everyone in the community seems certain she had intended to kill her daughter. Catherine was arrested that day for threatening people with the axe and was sent to St. Elmo's Hospital for mental evaluation but was able to sign herself out in less than 24 hours after being admitted. Now, I don't know if this is state by state or what it is, but I just, and (sighs) and I do agree that you kind of get to own your right and do all that stuff, but being committed and then being able to let yourself out after 24 hours later feels counterproductive to me. Yeah, especially, you know, she's threatening people with an ax for crying out loud. There's not really nuance to that. (laughs) And after days after her release, Catherine assaulted a woman whom she forced at knife point to drive her to Queensland, where I studied abroad, where David lived. Now, she then escalated the situation by abducting a young boy to use as another hostage. Oh, boy. Authorities were able to corner her and rescue the hostages, thank God, but this resulted in yet another involuntary admission to the psychiatric hospital. After being released, once again, Catherine reconnected with David and the two got back together. Uh, I mean, this says a lot. This this says a lot to David now at this point. Like, this says a lot about David and his motivations (laughs) and what he wants, as far as I'm concerned. And Catherine moved to Brisbane, where I studied abroad, to live with David and his mother, and in 1980 gave birth to her second child, Natasha. And four years later, in 1984, David and Catherine's marriage ended for good when Catherine decided to take their two daughters and move back home with her parents in Aberdeen, where they lived temporarily until Catherine was able to rent her own apartment. And back in her own town, Catherine was able to return to work at the slaughterhouse. Remember, she loved this job. In she 1986, loved that slaughterhouse. She loved it. And, I, and it's weird because we see that a lot in the Dahmer show, too, of him learning, you know, dissecting oh, roadkill really? with his dad. And getting Mm. into it, you know, when they did like fetal pigs in biology, he like asked to take one home Mm. to like experiment on it. And like, you know, you see this. Did you actually do that in high school? Like dissection? I never did. You did a pig? I did a fetal pig. We've done frogs before. I certainly did a lot of like rats and stuff in college because we had to perform brain surgery on stuff. But yeah, we did a fetal pig in uh, in high school. Oh dear. No, I never had to do that. Or at least not that I can remember. But anyway, keep going. 
Well, back in her hometown, she was able to work through the slaughterhouse. And in 1986, mm-hmm. Catherine met 38-year-old David Saunders, different David now, who worked right. as a miner. Saunders was said to be mild-mannered, very polite guy, was never known to be violent. Only After only a few months of dating, Saunders invited Catherine and her two daughters to move into his apartment in Scone. Well, it makes me wonder, like, does he know her history? You know, back in the 70s and 80s, you weren't really able to look up that information the same way, right? Because, by the way, I'm doing full uh, background checks and investigations on pretty much everybody that comes into my life at this point. As you You, should. You can't do a podcast and work in true crime and not do that. I just want everybody to know that. That's also true. (laughs) Anyway, two years later, Catherine's third child, Sarah, was born. The couple purchased a house together and the family's temporary respite from chaos ended. Um, David began working as a truck driver, which caused Catherine to become extremely paranoid that he was sleeping with other women while he was out on the road. Now, remember, you know, her previous man like ran off, you know, while, you know, while they were still together. So she has some understandable, I guess, abandonment issues, if you will. Um, in a heated argument, Catherine, uh, actually, this is really terrifying, so be prepared, Darren. In a heated argument, Catherine slit the throat of the family's two-month-old puppy. Nope. I'm out. Way, Finish the I case know. yourself. Finish the case. As a way to case. show Saunders exactly what would happen if he ever cheated on her. After killing the puppy, now this is where it gets What would happen if he just divorced her, for fuck's sake? Like, Jesus. She proceeded to knock David Saunders unconscious with a frying pan. Now, during their marriage, Catherine vandalized her husband's car, took an overdose of sleeping pills, checked in and out of psychiatric hospitals. It's clear that Catherine's unstable behavior um, continued, essentially, until he was able, until Saunders basically reached his breaking point. During their final argument, Catherine stabbed Saunders in the chest and beat him with an iron. Now, listen, there are certain domestic disputes that, you know, can become physical that are somewhat, what is the word here? I'm not trying to make an excuse for them, but maybe they're manageable, you know, like in the heat of the moment, you know, you'll get you, you could get arrested. You may go to court. Maybe you're even sorry in these situations. I feel like there's a way out of some domestic disputes. However, this is like next level tumult. Like to kill a puppy. Yeah, not as like a warning for that. And the truth is, is like, you know, as much as we want to kind of judge David here being like, why didn't he get the fuck out? You know, there's if the gender roles were reversed here. I think a lot of people would feel a lot of empathy Mm -hmm. for the woman and wouldn't be like, well, it's her fault because she stayed. So I don't really want to be the type of person to be like, it's David's fault that he stayed. No, he couldn't get out of it. You know, maybe. Maybe there's something in there. Just because men happen to be physically stronger than most women, you know, the average man is going to be stronger than right. the average female, doesn't mean that they're not in fear of their life or in danger no. or feel like they can't get out of their situation. So Definitely especially not. if someone's threatening you and killing a fucking puppy. But, I mean, I will say, like, holy hell, if this is not a red flag, I'm not sure what was <laughs> for him. And then, you know, let alone right. he dies. Yeah, right. it's terrible. Well, actually, he actually miraculously survived this attack, um, and he immediately Damn. went. In, yeah, so he immediately, thankfully, he immediately went into hiding with his friend. Uh, with yeah, friends, no shit. which I would do too. Uh, despite Catherine's desperate attempts to contact him, everyone in Saunders's life refused to disclose his location, as they were all well aware of Catherine's terrifying behavior. And again, I just think about the time. Like you know, it's a very different time. I feel like social media's. 
you know, I think nowadays if I tried to go into hiding, like, could I fully go into hiding? I really don't think I could. In some ways, I think it's more <laughs> easy, and in some ways, I think it's a lot harder. Yeah, that's true. That's a great way to put that. Because yes. you can always put on a persona online. Yeah, that's true. You know, yeah. you can create fake you things. Can, and you can create, clo- you know, you're, you've got your close friends list now. You can say, you can share things on social media, et Yeah, cetera. exactly. Okay, exactly. fair enough. Well, when he finally returned home months later, he discovered that Catherine had cut up all of his clothing and reported him to the authorities for child abuse. Dude, run away. I yeah. wonder why he finally returned home. I don't know. I guess at some point you think maybe the dust has settled. I don't know. I'm not confident dust is going to settle if your fucking no. wife is killing your You're puppy, gonna, but and I digress. stabbing you in the chest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I digress. Jesus. Well, this child abuse report resulted in a restraining order being put into place against him, which ended his marriage for good. In 1990, Catherine met... So basically, that's the end of that story. I mean, that's Catherine's last marriage. That's probably the best thing that could have happened to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I By the way, and I say this to people all the time. I'm like, sometimes... And obviously, listen, I've never been associated with any relationship that I know of that's ever been even close to this. But I always say, you know, sometimes the best foot forward is to be separated or to get the divorce. Space. 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 You, some, Space. Some people need that. That might that might be the best case scenario. Anyway, that's for our um, love advice podcast that we've been planning for years. Anyway, in 1990, or as I used to call it, 1990, day. Catherine met John Chillingworth, who became the father of her fourth child and first son, Eric. Their relationship was short-lived as it was interrupted by Catherine's infidelity with a co-worker, John Price. Mm. Now, John was known as a very sweet man who would give you his left arm if you needed it. This is now basically where we're getting at from the beginning of this show. So, and they, Darren, Yeah, they met in 1993, and in 1995, the newly divorced father of three allowed Catherine to move in with him, despite her well-known reputation of being violent and vengeful towards her lovers. And I'm curious, because in that two years, essentially, of when they met to when they moved in, like... What was her disposition like? You know, are people just, right. and I think, listen, we, I think in relationships in general, sometimes we forgive a lot, especially in the beginning where we can fix right. them or maybe it's just a sign of this, but two years, I, I just, I, I wonder what she was like. And John and Catherine frequently got into violent arguments, mostly revolving around John's refusal to marry. The two separated and got back together so many times that by the end, John's friends and family simply kind of refused to be around her. And truthfully, I would do that, too. Like, I would absolutely do that, too. Um, And uh, the two separated, and they got back together. And when Catherine felt that her relationship was being threatened, she went as far to sabotage his job. In 1998, Catherine showed John's bosses a videotape she had secretly recorded of items in her home that John had allegedly stolen from work. Now, although the items on the tape were either expired or taken out of the garbage... The company fired John, their employee oh of God. 17 years. Jesus. I guess so I don't imagine... really understand. What's he stealing? Food? Like, what's he stealing? It's hard to say. We don't, I guess we don't really know right now what it, what it is. But nonetheless, I mean, such a petty thing to do. I mean, what did she expect was going to happen after this? I mean, beyond. <laughs> well, John ended his relationship with Catherine and insisted she move out of the house. However, the split was short-lived as John agreed to get back together only a few months later. 
I mean, red flag. A little bit of like, come on now, John. Like you had your escape plan, and now it's not good. And in and you just ruined my seventeen-year career. But I guess things are fine now. I mean, like, uh, right? Like, okay. In February yeah. of two thousand, Catherine stabbed John in the chest with a oh, kitchen Lord. knife during another fight. And on February 29th, John filed a restraining order against Catherine in the hopes of removing her from her life, from his life, once and for all. He had that opportunity. And that right. same day, John expressed to his coworkers that if for some reason he didn't show up the next day, it was because Catherine had mm. killed him. So when we were talking about it in the beginning of like, I'm not sure I would contact a coworker who didn't show up once. Right. You know. Right. And that night, John sent his children to sleep over at a friend's house. He spent time with his next door. He spent time with his next door neighbor uh, until he returned home for bed around 11 p.m. And after John was asleep, Catherine arrived at his house, where, according to her, she watched some TV, took a shower, and then woke him up. And the two proceeded to have sex. After which, John fell back asleep. Mm, so those are a lot of very interesting details. From this point forward, uh, all the information that we have is based on forensic evidence. So from what we've been able to research, and shout out to Megan for constantly uh, being diligent with our facts here on the show, we believe that once John was asleep, Catherine stabbed him with a butcher knife, a tool she had, of course, become very familiar with during her time in the slaughterhouse. Apparently, John woke up during the attack and attempted to flee as Catherine chased him around the house, mutilating Jesus. him further until he ultimately succumbed to his wounds. From Because remember, the hallway was bloody as well. Let's not forget that point. Well, from there, John's body was dragged to the living room where Catherine put her abattoir expertise to work. I hope I'm saying that right. Abattoir? That sounds like a slaughterhouse tour right. or something. Okay. Abattoir? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, disgustingly, she hung John's body on a meat hook in the doorway and skinned him in a way that authorities described as, quote, methodical and precise. We hope none of you are listening to this on your morning bre over morning breakfast. That's all I'm going to say. Although if anyone didn't know what an abattoir is, it's a, it's a slaughterhouse. Oh, oh yeah. OK. Abattoir I thought it was like a tool. OK. No, 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 no. It's, it's a noun. It's a slaughterhouse. All right, we got to get yeah. make sure Megan tells us this, these things moving Lord, forward. Lord, yeah. <laughs> anyway, very disgusting. According to forensics, there were no signs of hesitation in the skinning either, and John's flesh was removed, are you ready for this, in one single pelt. Jesus. From there, Catherine decapitated John's body and cut off the flanks from his buttocks, which both of which she took to the kitchen to cook in the oven with vegetables. This is somebody like I mean we're gonna get into a little more it's detail. Mental here. illness. I mean it's this is beyond. not. This is right. This is this is this like is, Hollywood. This is not saying shit. she's not responsible, but it's just saying that like of this course is, this is not in the realm of being a bad person. This is in the realm of being right. like a crazy person. Yeah. Well, John's head was put into a pot on the stove to be made with what police referred to as a sickening stew. That's Ugh. their quote. La, 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 la. Catherine then plated meals. Each plate had a handwritten note labeling the meal for his children, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode. It appeared Catherine intended to feed John's body to his children when they arrived home from their sleepover. Now, how oh. is she going to do that with blood all over the house, by the way? You never anyway. know. Yeah. Another piece of his flesh was thrown into the backyard. Investigators believe that Catherine tried to consume the meat herself, but either decided against it or, like most human beings, was unable to stomach it. 
On one of the kitchen cabinets, police found a photo of John in a broken picture frame. On top of the photo was a blood-covered note accusing John of sexually molesting Catherine's daughter as well as John's own son. Now, remember, who knows exactly what's true here? I mean, obviously, somebody that's able to do all these things probably isn't in their right mind. Nonetheless, this is what she was alleging. And maybe it may be the reason why she was doing what she was doing. Or like her reason that she justified it. Both children were later questioned about this, obviously, and vehemently denied the allegations. After pleading the human remains, Catherine swallowed a concoction of various pills she found around the house, including antidepressants as well as antihistamines. When authorities arrived, she was still in the house, although in an incoherent stupor, which Mm -hmm. also kind of sounds like she is in general. To this day, Catherine claims she has no recollection of the crime. Catherine was arrested on March 1st, 2000, and was arraigned 11 months later on February 2nd, 2001. At arraignment, the defense team attempted to make a deal with the prosecution. Catherine would plead guilty to John's killings, provided she only be charged with manslaughter. Uh, something about manslaughter really um, is effective here. Yeah, um, right, the word, now, yeah. Due to the grotesque nature of the crime, the prosecution quickly refused this offer, and Catherine changed her plea to not guilty. The trial yeah, of began, course they did, by the way, they're right, because they're not going to be a, like, oh, you're good. It's not just manslaughter. I mean, this is like literally slaughtering of men. Yeah, and literally it doesn't get worse, worse than that. The trial began on October 15th, 2001, and pres- was presented to a jury of 60 people. Wow. Several times during the trial, jury members needed to step out of the courtroom due to the <sighs> overwhelmingly graphic nature of the crime scene photos. Yeah. Uh, on the second day of trial, Catherine changed her plea to guilty. And the jury was dismissed. Hmm. On November 8th, 2001, the so-called female Hannibal Lecter was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. It should have been Hannibal Lecter. Like Hannah, the name Hannah. Hannah, Hannibal. Hannibal. Okay, I see what you did there. Hannibal, Hannah. Do you want to call the Australian media to see if you I'll can change, change it. That? I mean, I think okay. it's better, but that's fine. Well, okay. this is the single harshest punishment ever placed on a mm. woman in the history of Australia. In 2006, I mean, she sentenced to life with no possibility of parole. It just goes to show that, like, there's millions of people in the United States with this fucking sentence right now. So it's just kind of crazy. In 2006, Catherine attempted to appeal her sentence, which the court once again denied due to the intensely brutal nature of the crime. Catherine is currently incarcerated at Clarence Correctional Center, where she will spend the rest of her natural-born life. And yeah, by the way, Catherine, if you're listening, like, please don't even try to get out. Like, you are definitely never going to get out. I mean, you know, listen, like I was trying to say earlier about that domestic dispute, there are certain sentencings and paroles that may fit crimes. I don't know that murder necessarily personally is is the right way to go about these types of paroles, but they do happen. And, you know, Darren, you and I talk all the time, like, who's sitting next to us on the subway is is a murderer, you know, who knows. But this one, this one takes, I mean, this This might be some of the most disturbing details we've ever had to rehash. And that's the thing too. I mean, it's, it's, it's odd that we're actually covering it on a time and it's kind of perfect for Halloween, but on a time, especially when Dahmer is just so in the nomenclature now, especially, and like obviously doing the same thing, you know, making a stew, eating some of his, his victims. Um, Plating meals for the kids, like come on. Now. And this, and this, this is so hard because this is obviously to me, an insane. Like you would think that this is, and I mean that sort of in every sense of the world of just being like, it's insane what this person is doing. But 
it, how did they get there? How did they going? get there? Yeah. And like, you know, watching her mom being repeatedly raped, it right, doesn't right. mean that she's not guilty of it, but I just feel like if she had stayed in that psychiatric facility, if for some mm, way, that's and, right. I, yeah, I, and I don't point. want to force anyone to get psychiatric help either because I believe in human rights, but I do think there, if there was some sort of, especially in prison, some psychiatric evaluation that people could actually go through and then if they don't pass it, like they have to kind of stay. Yeah. They don't have their rights anyway in prison. I don't know. What could have been? What could have been? I agree with you. You know? A very disturbing episode, but uh, somewhat, you know, present, given that there's a huge interest in Dahmer and all those types of things. Um, let us know what you thought about this episode. Did you make it all the way through? <laughs> hit us up at jthrasher at Carpe Darren. You can hit us up in our Facebook group. And, of course, you can direct message us on Patreon, and we'll get right back to you. Darren, let's move on to some happier notes here, including listener shout outs. Yeah, I love this one. I'm going to take this first one. Sandy on our Facebook posted, NMR, but I can't stop thinking of John Thrasher as we named our new chickens on the right in the pick. Their names are Scary Spice, Sporty Spice, and Ginger Spice. <laughs> Let me just say this. I posted, a, I added a comment to this because when I first started reading this, it was, I, NMR, I can't stop thinking of John Thrasher as we named our, and I was like, oh my God, please don't tell yeah. me someone like named their children after us, Darren. That I mean, that would cool. be an honor, but it would be also, be cool. I don't know. I would freak out if somebody told me that. But um, thankfully, they were just naming their chickens. Oh. Um, so hopefully Scary, Sporty, and Ginger Spice are, where, by the way, where are Baby and Posh? Like, come on now. You can't have three chickens. And I, I mean, this is only if you get three, more. If you get three chickens, you name them after Hanson or Destiny's Child. We've established this. But it's nonetheless, fair. I appreciate the love there, and the picture was very cute. So thank you for thinking of us. Um, we also wanted to give a shout-out to our Facebook friend, Lardez, who shared in the group that she's going through some tough times right now. We won't share all the details here on the show, but if you're a fan of the group and you saw her post, you'll know what she's talking about. She was very forthcoming about some personal things. And I just thought, you know, how nice is it that she felt comfortable to share that, not only with us, yeah. Darren, but with our community of fans. So our fans are amazing. The community is so supportive. We love you guys. And Lara, Lara I'm assuming your name is Lara. Um, we hope you are feeling better. That's yeah, absolutely. And I, I actually want to reiterate that because sometimes, like, especially with talking about true crime or all the stuff going on around the victims with Dahmer and everything, like, you yeah. want to be sensitive. And, like, never once I feel like as any of – like, sometimes they'll correct us or they'll say, like, oh, Darren, like – I'm a lawyer in Michigan yes, and the law here love, states, you know, like this. And yeah. that that's always really important. But never is it based in like, no, fuck you. I'm canceling you. Or like, <laughs> no, you got that wrong. Or like, you're so insensitive. Like, everyone here yeah. gets it. We're just human beings, like, doing our best, trying to entertain and yeah. tell the right stories. And that's just kind of nice. It's just such a relief uh, getting to kind of talk openly without judgment. And if there is any sort of pushback or or, or or critique or something that you guys want to say it's always meant in love and so it's i just want to say like yeah. i personally i really appreciate that absolutely and you know yeah. what the other thing too is you don't really see this in other true crime podcast communities right. so we really appreciate it okay so let's get to some big announcements here first darren we have a big announcement about our merch store if you have listened to nmr you already know this so you better be listening but we have two new merch designs live in our merch store darren why don't you tell us what's in them First, our Halloween limited edition t-shirt, which says Pumpkins, Witches, Ghosts, and True Crime Shows, is available Ooh. until October 31st, so you can get your shirt all the month of October. Get it now. You can also get it on a hoodie, a sticker, a phone case, a pillow, a coffee mug, whatever you want, but it's only going to be available for this month. That's right. And the other one is our Thanksgiving design, 
which is also a limited edition, which says, TBH, the only thing I'm thankful for are my true crime shows. That's right. That's this right. Is li- this is live now as well and will be available for purchase until December 1st. And you can also put this one on any piece of merch you like, pillows, phone cases, etc. Definitely check them out. They're really cute. Personally vagined. Personally designed. <laughs> personally vagined by John. Oh, dear. And We're not getting into this approved by me. Approved. <laughs> there you vagined go. Vagined by John is your oh, new dear. business. Vagined mm-hmm. by John oh and approved by me. No. Okay, thank no. you. Did you even vagined. say the right word? Sorry, they I were designed by no, me. No, they were vagined by you. Right, they were vagined right. by you. So do you want to sell if... these things? Because they're only going to sell them <laughs> if they know that they were vagined by you. Anyways, head I to... I know how our customers work. Uh-huh, sure you do. Head to bit.ly slash shakenmerch, or you can click the link right in our show notes on the device you're listening to to go right to the store. Yes, mm. and we also have a Patreon update. Uh, it's a oh big update. First, don't forget about our upcoming Halloween party. Patreon members are hanging out together this week, October 19th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Best costume wins a prize. We might even do, I think, didn't we do like Halloween trivia last week? I feel like, or last year, I feel like we should do like horror movie trivia or something. Oh, that fun. would be good. Wouldn't oh, that, that would be, be fun? good. Yeah, that would be we'll good. We'll do something fun. Um, second, guys, we are so excited to finally be delivering on one of our perks from Patreon. If you listen to NMR, you already know this. But if you are at the Super Fan tiers, you are entitled to one physical gift every year. Patrons will be getting not one, but two gifts in the mail this coming, uh, rather, in the coming weeks. Darren, That's do you right. want to tell them what it is that they may be getting? I'm really excited. The first one is a one-of-a-kind handcrafted tie-dyed shaken and disturbed t-shirt. They're going to be tied, tie-dyed oh. by Johnny Boy. So everyone's going to be different. It, it, you know, not yep. every not every ink blot is the same. That's uh, true. So that's really cool because you'll have your own unique shirt. And the second is a surprise that I actually came up mm-hmm. with that John was very impressed with. I loved it. He audibly gasped. And it will also be unique, <laughs> kind of one-of-kind, created by us, specifically. Specifically created by me. That's right. Uh, but we don't want to spoil the surprise of it, but just get mm-hmm. excited for it. So you're going to get two items, one of which I'm going to handle, the, t- the T-shirt, the other one Darren's going to handle, which we're not telling you what that is. Yeah, exactly. However, you must opt into this. So that means we've sent you a form to your Patreon inbox. Go check it out right now. We'll get your name, your shipping address, your T-shirt size. All of that's in the form. And there's a deadline. The deadline to opt into these gifts is October 31st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. Any late opt-ins won't be considered, and you'll have to wait until next year, which is only a few months away, really, to get your next yearly gift. So you must be at the super fan tiers on Patreon. Go check your inbox right now. It's waiting for you, and you will have your gift very soon. I want to say one other thing, too. The thing that Darren will be working on has its own unique uh thing about it so each thing that you're gonna get on the second gift that darren's working on will be a one of a kind in its own way so absolutely it's just so cool and darren i want a special one like i want a special one that we of the thing we're talking about that we're not telling people about yes okay we'll have to work on that i got you all right, and of course we have to say a big shout out to megan who uh researched and produced this episode so one two three thanks Thanks, Megan. megan We and by the you. way, we have tasked Megan with some more Halloween-centric episodes. So in the coming weeks leading up to Halloween, you're going to get a couple more 
maybe disturbing ones. And every person that you and I have maimed and killed, we've given it to Megan to taxidermy. <laughs> so you'll, right. those will be on display in our apartments pretty soon. Precisely. Precisely. Yep. Pretty soon. All right, All guys. right, guys. This has been a really interesting and disturbing yep, episode yep. that has lived up to its name and we hope to see you it's again a been a, it's been a wonderful vagined episode by <sighs> Megan, myself and me vagined by I'm us sign, I'm signing off oh okay, okay. alright bye bye, bye.